Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks so much for tuning in today here on The Inner Life. If you haven't listened before, we pick a topic, we enlist the help of a spiritual director, and then we take your phone calls to have an encouraging and inspiring discussion to help us all grow closer to the Lord. My name is Patrick Conley, and I'm sitting in for your regular host, Josh Raymond. You can listen to my podcasted interviews from weekly my weekly relevant radio show called Practicing Catholic by visiting practicingcatholicshow.com. Our topic today here on The Inner Life is secrets of a good marriage. And honestly, I got to let you know that when it comes to those elements that make for a good marriage, we're going to do our very best in the hour ahead to make sure that they don't remain a secret. In fact, that uh, we all know them and that we are blessed if we do them as well. Helping us let the proverbial cat out of the bag on these secrets for a good marriage is our spiritual director for today, Father Joseph Johnson. Father Joseph is the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, as well as a good friend. Father, I'm delighted to be with you. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you. Thank you. Well, Father, let's start right off with something that, of course, we've touched on before here on the program, and I'm sure you've uh, you've explained to many a couple who's come to you for uh, premarital or marital counseling, but it's worth returning to. What are the ingredients in your experience that do make for a good marriage? Well, the, the first part of the conversation I have with these engaged couples is simply this. Why are you coming to a priest? I, I'm not married. And yet you're coming to ask me uh, for, for help. And so, you know, sometimes engaged couples look at this as a chore. It's just, I got to check the box. It's on the list the church requires. Got to jump through the hoop and see the priest. Mm-hmm. And, and so I have to tell them, remind them, well, look, uh, I came from a family, so I know something about marriage and family from, from growing up in one, right? And then second of all, and this again speaks to a certain blindness uh, so often in our society, you know, what is marriage? Marriage is God's plan for a man and a woman. And as soon as you start talking about God's plan, you're in the realm of theology. Mm-hmm. Ah, there is something that I, as a priest, can help you with. Uh, and uh, so to live marriage as God's plan for us, rather than a really swell idea that the two of us had. <laughs> it's, it's a radically different approach, right. right? If this is just something I came up with, if it's just something that, that I had butterflies in my tummy when the other person walked in the room and I decided to, to, to throw myself at her feet, you know, uh, you know, that's very different than I've prayerfully discerned, and I think this is God's plan. And, of course, part of the problem is that when the Church speaks about vocations, we too often just hone in on priesthood and consecrated life. Sure. In fact, every single one of us has, has a vocation, 
and marriage is every bit as much a vocation as the priesthood or consecrated life. And so to think about that uh, as as the way of saying, okay, how do I, I begin to put the relationship between man and woman within the context of our relationship with God? All right. Uh, so that's that's setting the stage. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and that's a good uh, set for the stage. And I, of course, we want to delve into that more deeply as well. And it's one of the things that occurs to me, Father, as you're saying that is that. So yes, this is a great conversation to have with an engaged couple who are you know just perhaps months or weeks away from from getting married. But this is also something that uh, could be taken up at any point in a marriage, even if people haven't considered it before and now are starting to feel that tug of, well, wait a minute, maybe we do need to see our marriage of 20, 30 years in light of our relationship with God, right? Absolutely. Because as, as I tell these engaged couples, you know, there's what everyone knows is, quote unquote, the honeymoon period. You know, it's, yeah. it's this beautiful time and everything's sweetness and happiness and light and joy. But, you know, one morning... You wake up and you roll over, and instead of going, "Oh, it's Romeo," "Oh, it's Juliet," right? Uh, you you wake up and you roll over and you go, "Uh, you still here?" Right? <laughs> and and how how do we navigate that? Because it's a simple fact of life that that feelings are fickle and fragile, hmm. right? And so if I'm only getting married because I feel a certain way, it, it's it's got to have deeper roots than that. You know, if if we only went to work when we felt like it, Patrick, wouldn't we all be unemployed? <laughs> Probably, yes. R- right, you know, because right. we don't feel like going to work every day, right? And and again, our feelings, you could get on the highway and just a beautiful sunny day in the springtime and, and you're going along, all of a sudden some jerk swerves into your lane, almost knocks you off the road and all this, and now the rest of the day you're in a rotten mood. You know, because you've been shaken. Your feeling of, of happiness was so fragile, right? So, so again, our feelings are a roller coaster. We have to find something deeper on which to base this. Uh, and that's, again, God's plan, discerning God's plan. This is my vocation. Now, I, the, the first thing, though, on the human level that, that the two people need to do is uh, they have to learn how to communicate with one another. And I love to tell a story about uh, a couple that was married 50 years. Uh, and in all 50 years, you get into certain patterns, right? And so uh, all of a sudden, one day after five decades of marriage, they're at supper. And uh, the the husband you know, slices the loaf of bread and he hands his wife the heel. And uh, she says to him, she says, all of a sudden, she just breaks down in tears, and she's like, 50 years, 50 years, and every stinking day, I get stuck with the heel of the loaf, hmm. right? And, and he's just kind of shocked by this outburst, right? And, and then he looks puzzled and hurt, and he says to her, but that's my favorite part. Hmm. So for 50 years... She had been silently putting up with something she didn't like, whereas he had been silently giving her his favorite part of the loaf. He'd been making a sacrifice, but she didn't receive it as this sacrifice of love because they they weren't communicating well. 
And it just became a habit that just stuck there day after day, year after year, decade after decade. And all of a sudden, boom, it, it's an explosion. Yeah. Right. So I think what we have to, to do is, is encourage people that, that, you know, nobody has passed the course in mind reading. Right. So so don't rely on guessing what your spouse is trying to communicate uh, or trying to to drag it out of your spouse. We need good communications skills, respectful of one another. And and if that happens, then all of a sudden so many other things begin to fall into place because little misunderstandings like this. He was doing this very loving thing every day, but she didn't receive it as loving. She thought he was being selfish by keeping those soft inner pieces of the loaf for himself. So, so that's, that's where we just have to, again, how can we go deeper? How can we open up more? And as to be respectful both in the content of what we say, but also respectful of, of how we say it, what, what our tone of voice is, and when we say it. Not, right. you know, if, if I'm an early bird and my spouse is a night owl, you know, I'm not going to expect at 5 a.m. to have a good conversation with my spouse. And my spouse shouldn't have, expect to have a good conversation with me at midnight. Right. Maybe we talk over lunch, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we, we have to find ways to, to be respectful in all these things. Or if I'm in the middle of a project for work and my spouse wants to talk about, you know, the invitation list for some party three months from now, you know, it's like I can't do that right now. We, we just have to figure out some of the practicalities of it uh, and, and all. But communications is definitely a major, major element to building uh, a strong and healthy marriage. Right. We're speaking with Father Joseph Johnson, our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, and we're talking about secrets of a good marriage. Let me ask you, what do you think are the secrets of a great marriage? And have you ever uh, navigated hardship in your marriage and seen the Lord provide in some pretty astounding ways? What are some of the steps that you and your spouse took to find healing if you've, uh, if you've run up against some of these hardships or even some of these more just mundane uh, elements of marriage? Are there ways in which you have seen the Lord enhance your marriage and your love for your spouse? Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue having a conversation about uh, secrets to a great marriage. So, Father, you were just talking about communication, and I, I got to say that I think when, uh, at least speaking for my own self and for others that uh, I have talked to about this as well, it seems like early on, of course, we're we're been part of that is the feelings that you were referring to earlier, but we're sort of fixated on the other person. And so there seems to be no end to the communication that we want to talk. We want to know more. We want to gaze longingly into each other's eyes and that sort of thing. But as the marriage matures, then there is almost a temptation. There's certainly a temptation to fall into this where life just gets on the tracks and it just uh, proceeds progresses without uh, without this sort of intentionality behind uh, behind it. And then I think what oftentimes happens is the communication falls by the wayside and we don't have the intentionality there. We don't have, uh, I'm going to make time for this communication that's going on. So I appreciate the practicalities that you've, you've pointed out, but uh, any other suggestions about how to maybe... Uh, resurrect, since we're in the Easter season, resurrect uh, an attitude of good communication with your spouse? 
Sure, and that intentionality that you speak of is is so important uh, because we do just kind of drift into into to patterns. We go under cruise control, whatever. So there there are some things that we need to to be uh, aware of. The first one is the danger of idolatry. Mm. No, uh, I used to make my engaged couples gaze into one another's eyes and repeat after me, "You are not the source of my happiness." Mm. Right, and the guys, of course, always choked. She's going to kill me the second we're outside your office if I say that. Right, <laughs> uh, but you know, there's 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 a deep truth there. We we can commit idolatry. I can think that all of my happiness, my fulfillment, comes from this other human being, and then what we are what we are failing to recognize is this is another human being. This is not some. Uh, superman, superwoman. This is not a perfect person. All, all of us, we are imperfect. And if I just keep intently gazing at you, eventually over time I begin to see your imperfections more and more clearly. Because, of course, we're close to one another. There's no hiding. And, of course, that's a great part of marriage is that vulnerability. And, and I can be vulnerable because I trust that you're not going to use that vulnerability against me, right? right. But, but that openness and that closeness all of a sudden can lead to disappointment because you aren't bringing me happiness. Uh, you know, you, and, and this is what we have to understand, that our spouse can assist our happiness and our, and our spouse can detract from our happiness. But our spouse is not the source of our happiness. And as we're getting, we get back to this notion of marriage as a vocation. The word vocation, think of the word vocal, right? Voice. Mm-hmm. It's a calling. It's a calling from Christ. And where is the only place Christ calls to? Himself. Mm. Back to himself. So Christ has not called you to one another. That's not what, how marriage is a vocation. Christ is calling you to himself. But he's calling you with one another nice. to himself. And again, that to be intentional about that, to keep the big picture in mind that way, is is to let go of some of the heartaches. You know, it's like sometimes you know, a spouse is like, oh, you know, my spouse is inconsiderate, my spouse, whatever. And I'm like, well, you married an imperfect person. I'm really sorry if you didn't realize that at the time. <laughs> or, and this, especially ladies, be careful, ladies. You know, this, yeah, yeah, I know he's a slob, but. But with with my help and direction, uh oh, uh oh, because <laughs> yeah. what what you've just got, you've you've married a home improvement project, right? Uh, so who's the only person in the world I can change? That's myself. And how hard is that? Really hard. So I can't say I'm going to change this other imperfect person and make them more palatable palatable to to how I want them to be. Again, I have to be respectful of the other person. And so to have that sense that we are companions on a journey, we share a life, we share this adventure, we share a goal in Christ, but you are not my goal. This allows us to give permission to the other person to be imperfect. Because frankly, Patrick, you know, if, if, if my spouse was perfect, 
why would they want to be hanging out with me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what was going through my head, too. Right. 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 Uh, well, I often ask why Kendra wants to hang out with you. But anyway, that's a different question. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. Yes. Well, but the, uh, the uh, you know, that sense of I look in the mirror and I know my failings, my flaws. I make an examination of conscience and go to confession because I know I do not love God and neighbor perfectly. So then how can I expect that this other person is going to love me perfectly? Mm-hmm. I need to give permission to my spouse to love me imperfectly. Mm-hmm. Not begrudgingly endure it. I need to give permission because I know I love imperfectly. Mm-hmm. And I have a perfect love in my life. Christ, he's the only perfect love there is. And he has given himself to me. So I can afford to let other people love me imperfectly because I have a perfect love, Christ's love, in my life. Hmm. Secrets of a Good Marriage is our topic here on The Inner Life Today, and our spiritual director is Father Joseph Johnson, pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. And uh, yeah, our question for you as listeners is we're talking about communication, as we're talking about uh, giving the permission to love imperfectly. If you have some other secrets to a great marriage that you have either seen or observed or even lived out yourself, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back after this with more of The Inner Life. The Relevant Radio Studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond, and we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson, pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, on secrets of a good marriage. And Father, so far we've hit some pretty major things here. We've talked about communication and setting aside time, being intentional about our communication with our spouse. You were just talking to us about giving permission to our spouse to love us imperfectly, that our happiness does not ultimately come from our spouse, and that Christ always calls us to himself along with our spouse. Um, so this is all great stuff, Father. What else have you got in in the, in the back of your, uh, well, I was going to say in your hip pocket or in the back of your mind for us, but, uh, you know, as we're, we're about bringing these quote-unquote secrets of a good marriage, we're about making them not secrets. So what other secrets can we make publicly, public knowledge? Well, well, I think the the uh, other part of this question about the spouse not being the, the source of our happiness is, and I said that's one uh, potential danger of an idolatry, our children are the second. Mm. You know, that that uh, what we find, especially, you know, there's some marriages that fail within the first five years, and even within the first year, right? And, and that's where you say, okay, there are probably some uh, emotional maturity issues here, uh, maybe people didn't know each other well enough. Maybe they didn't know enough what how challenging the vocation of marriage is, whatever. But those divorces that happen later on, that's more puzzling until you begin to see the inner dynamics. And that's where husband and wife allow themselves to become 
more identified as mom and dad than husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Right? That that the children become idols, uh, and and so you've heard the expression co-parenting. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what we have. We're going to share the carpool and the, and, and the you know, you take this kid to soccer, I'll do the doctor, you do the violin lessons, you know, whatever. We we divide up a whole myriad of responsibilities, and we spend far more time on the children than than with one another. But it's it's destructive. We think you're being super mom, super dad, but actually the best the best way to to help enhance your children's lives is to give them a happy marriage to to grow up in. Hmm. You know, and and not just because that gives them emotional stability, but also it models for them what might be their vocation in the future. And and so so much of the brokenness and the pain that we find in young people today is they grew up without a healthy image of of marriage. Hmm. And now some of them are saying I'm not going to ever get married. You know, uh, maybe we'll live together because that's easy. You know, I, it, there's no commitment, you know, or, or just delaying the age of getting married. All of these things, you see these trends, and they come back to this, that, that, that husband and wife had become mom and dad. They became strangers to one another. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're at a remove from one another. Who are you? You are my kid's other parent. Yeah. And that distance becomes corrosive to the relationship. Yeah. So I, I think we just want to be clear on this, that, that we put things in perspective. God is my number one you know, priority in life, right? My spouse is number two. And, and of course, you expect a priest to say God is number one. But, but think about it. If I believe in God, then he created me and he created my spouse and it's his plan that we're together. Okay, so he is, he's got to be number one. He comes be- before us. We, we can only be, have life and have a relationship because he comes first and he created us. But then it's God, spouse, children. And that's where you get pushback. Aren't children number two? No. Children will take up more of your time. But they're not number two. They have to be understood as the fruit of your love for one another. Right? It's, only it's, within the context will it, do they make sense. Go ahead. Right. No, it's a it's a great point, Father. But here's here's uh, just playing devil's advocate here for a moment, and and perhaps I am indeed advocating for a rather diabolical notion. But that is that I think a lot of times in and at least in modern society, perhaps this has always been the case. The human condition, as it were, is that as these added responsibilities, as we become uh, adults and as we grow into adulthood and maybe mature into uh, middle age and that sort of thing, there are responsibilities tend to pile up and somehow somewhere subtly we go from kind of being the masters of our own time to feeling like time is now oppressing us like we are we are beholden to all these responsibilities and it seems like you know you hear the expressions of oh if only there were more hours in the day and that sort of thing i'm thinking i've got to i've got to do this 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 and this my time is not my own it's always given out and when children enter the picture I mean, that just launches it off the chart exponentially. And it's so easy 
in those situations to say, well, yeah, but I'm doing it for my kids. So therefore, it's it is, you know, it is a, a sense of sacrifice. I'm following uh, I, I'm following my Christian values, Christian ideals, Christian virtues as I'm doing these things. And so my I'm not questioning what you're saying, Father, but I guess what I'm what I'm wondering is what are some, again, practical ways that we can get out from under this understanding that my time is not my own or, or I, I can't make wise decisions about my time because of all these responsibilities, especially with kids that now fall upon me? Well, I, I think it's, first of all, let's back up this whole notion of time and, and time diver, di, divided into work and leisure and all of these things. Our society is really mixed up about this. Mm. I was shocked uh, a good decade ago or so, I read a study that, that really was very common sense but had never thought of it. Our grandparents grew up without running water. Yeah. Right. Uh, they didn't have microwaves. They didn't have washing machines. They did everything by hand, and and they didn't have you know so many of these things that that are convenience of modern life, and yet this study was clear: our grandparents' generation had more free time than we do. Mm-hmm. Well, how is that so? We we have all these time-saving gadgets. <laughs> yeah. And yet we have less free time. Because we have allowed other things to fill it. So when you talk about responsibilities, I'm going to say, I'm going to push back a little bit. Yeah. What are your responsibilities? Responsibilities are to have your children and fed and, and, and educated and, and this, that, and other. But you do not have a responsibility that your child belongs to every sports team. Hmm. And that your mm-hmm. child attends every birthday party of their classmate or, you know, whatever. And so this is where I think this notion that the young people have, it's an acronym, FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. Mm, You know, I think there's some of that, that we have to do everything, you know, and there's an old phrase that we use, it's called less, sometimes less is more, you know, do do fewer things uh, and let them bring a richness rather than be exhausted as a whirlwind running around trying to do everything. And and whether that's that the parents are fear of missing out, whether the parents are trying to vicariously live through their children, well, mm-hmm. I didn't get to do this, and therefore I want you to do it, or I did it, and therefore you will do it, whether you like it or not. You know, there, there are different things that might be factored into that. But the, the point is that, yes, children will take up a lot of time, but but let's be clear, we're not spending time well to begin with. Yeah. And and one of the, the chief ways to begin to change that is the Lord's Day. It's right there. Mm-hmm. It's not in the top ten. It's in the top three, right? You know, uh, you, to keep holy the Lord's Day. And and what we, we do is we've made – our society has made Sunday the biggest shopping day of the week. Yeah. You know, we treat Sunday just like any other day or worse. We get to Friday and all of a sudden, woo, done with school, done with work. You know, we play Friday evening, Saturday's a play day, and then Sunday's like, oh, have to get ready for Monday. There's something so radically wrong, so 180 degrees off, when the Lord's Day becomes nothing more than a prep day for Monday or a catch-up day because we had fun Friday night and Saturday. There, there's something really, really off there. And so if all of a sudden we start to recapture time as the Lord has intended, then other things begin to fall into place. Yeah. 
so, so that's what I would say. Yeah. Look at your quote-unquote responsibilities and do some triage, and look at the rhythm of your week and start to prune and, and, and readjust to the Lord's expectations rather than everything else. Again, our spiritual director is Father Joseph Johnson, pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, as we're talking about secrets of a good marriage. And uh, yeah, let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Jill, who's calling in from Traverse City, Michigan. Jill, welcome to The Inner Life. Well, thank you very much. I've really been enjoyed listening to your program. My, uh, my husband and I have been married for 42 years, and about 10 years or so ago, we developed something which probably came out of uh, about 100 self-help books, family and marriage books and psychology books, but we call it 12 minutes. What we do is we get the timer and we set it for five minutes and one person speaks and says what's on their mind. We, we The usual rules apply. The formula that we use is when you blank, I feel blank. And then, um, so the person, and, and we don't interrupt each other. And usually we do it in bed in the dark. <laughs> we can't see each other's body language. And then after each one person is done the five minutes, then we do a one-minute follow-up. And we avoid saying always and never. And at the end of the, we call it 12 minutes, at the end of the 12 minutes, we agree to continue or defer this to later. And then we affirm our love for one another. One another. Beautiful, Jill. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. I think, you know, uh, as as you said, you were, what, about 30 years married when you came up with that? Uh, so uh-huh. some of this uh, is, is growing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some of it's growing into these things, right? That marriage, no one on day one, you know, no matter how happy you are at the wedding and all of that and how good the honeymoon phase is, no one has it all figured out. No one has all the pieces in, in place. And some things that work for for one couple won't work for another couple, whatever. You have to try and figure it out through trial and error, but that you have that intentionality. We want a rich and beautiful and happy and holy marriage, and we're going to keep working at it. I think that's that, that's beautiful that, that you and your husband have come up with this lovely way of, of making daily communication and making it respectful and, and reaffirming your love. Uh, so thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Oh, and I forgot, we always pray before and after. Forgot mm, beautiful. Yeah. That's the other part of communications that I, I haven't touched on yet uh, as part of these secrets. But yes, communicating with God is essential. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we will talk about that in just a minute. But Jill, I wanted to ask you before we let you go, um, could you name just a couple of fruits that you have seen from uh, from utilizing this practice, these 12 minutes? Love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, benevolence. <laughs> well, I think you're stealing from St. Paul there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> Jill, thanks for calling. That's a that's a great great piece of advice and a great story. Thank you for uh, for joining us on The Inner Life. Thanks for your call. God bless you. God bless you, Jill. So, uh, Father, let's let's get into that. Let's we have talked about communication, but largely in communication with uh, our spouses, so with one another that way. But uh, of course, if God is at the if God is in the number one place, as you said, then communication with Him has got to come first, right? Right, and 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 I'd like to actually speak about it less in terms of of communicating and in terms of intimacy. Mm. You know what we what our hearts are really seeking is intimacy. And and that intimacy needs to be intimacy with God through prayer and intimacy 
with our spouse. Uh, and and that's why I will often, you know, uh, Jill has her 12 minutes. I drill into my engaged couples date night every week, mm-hmm. date night every week, right? And and what I do with that is I tell them, look, it's not your time to, to clean out the closet together or to rearrange the kitchen cupboards or to do your taxes. It's not even your time to go watch a movie that's come out that you want to see. It's your time simply to delight in one another, Hmm. to reaffirm the goodness of this other person. Uh, And again, ladies, the number one complaint of wives about their husbands, where did all the romance go? Hmm. Right? And I'll tell you a funny story. There was a a guy getting married, and he asked his grandfather, who'd been married 50 years, Grandpa, Grandpa, how do you keep the romance, you know, in your marriage with Grandma? And Grandpa says, well, Sonny, let me tell you, you know, courtship is like uh, chasing the streetcar. You're running down the road, and you, right? but as soon as you catch it and you jump on, you don't keep running. Hmm. And <laughs> his nice. grandson was a little taken aback by that. That That's not a mentality that we want to advocate, right? right. That, yeah. that, that we want courtship. We want intimacy hmm. to be something ongoing. And and all and like when couples tell me, oh, Father, you know, I could never be more in love with my fiancé than I am now. I'm like, big problem, because you're going to have to be. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. You know, what, what life has coming for you, you're going to have to love your spouse more than right now. And that's why in the very vows we make you say before the altar of God with everybody of your loved ones witnessing it, it's good times, bad times, sickness, health. Right, life is a roller coaster, and it's easy to love when things are easy. It's not so easy to love when things are tough, mm-hmm. and and so that's where we have to stretch. But think about it this way: like if I was uh, out at a restaurant and uh, I'm I'm moving through crowded space, and all of a sudden. Uh, bumps into me and spills scalding hot coffee all over me, right? Now, luckily, I wear black, so maybe it wouldn't show so much, but <laughs> but it still stings, right? right. I go, jerk, what are you doing? Watch out where you're going. How? You know, I react negatively. Right? Sure. What about if I'm at a crowded room, it's Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, everyone's moving around the room, and all of a sudden, grandma bumps into me, and she spills a cup of scalding hot coffee all over me, right? Mm-hmm. Same action, right? Uh, do I say, Grandma, you're a jerk, how dare you? Or is it, Grandma, don't worry about it. Grandma, it's okay, it's okay, I'm fine. I'll just go get a damp rag and it'll be fine. And no, and I'll get a little bit of ice, it's not okay. I, it, I don't need to go to the ER, it's okay, Grandma, don't worry about it. Well, look at that, that's the exact same action, but radically different responses. Mm-hmm. Because... There's an intimacy with grandma. Uh, I know grandma loves me, and I love grandma. And because of that, I'm willing to put up with some spilled coffee and a whole bunch else. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I keep every week building, reaffirming, reminding myself, I delight in this other person. There, there was, there was God who was drawing us to one another, but there was also something on the human level. There was a delight that drew us to one another. Sure. 
And so let's reaffirm that every week. And by that, we, we grow in intimacy, which is then able to weather storms better. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's able to put up with one another's imperfections better. Mm-hmm. And it's not always looking for my way. And so some of that selfishness and pride begins to diminish. Because what we have to realize is that selfishness is something we all have to overcome. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to be on the road to self-gift. And and from the the Stone Ages, when, when phones didn't tell you who was calling, you actually had to answer it to figure out who was calling you, right? Yeah, you know, right. It, but, but, but now you can look at your phone and you can see it. And if there's, if there's someone that calls you only when they need something, they never call to say how you were doing, never call just to, to say it's good to be in a relationship with you. It's always, I need this, I need that, can you do this, can you do that, right? At a certain point, we look and we see it's them calling and we hit ignore, send to voicemail, yeah. right? Cause, because selfishness is poison to any relationship. And I, I need to, to know that in my relationship with my spouse. And simply to ask, am I being loving or not? Ask yourself, Am I giving or taking? Hmm. Uh, am I engaged in a selfishness here? Or am I allowing myself to be stretched to self-gift? And that's even where my spouse's faults become a blessing to me. How could I ever learn to be a patient person if there wasn't someone there to try my patience? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. yep. And, and, and hold, on, hold on to your seat for this next one. Okay. How could I ever learn to love my enemies? As Christ has said, is the mark of a Christian. Even the pagans love their friends. But to love my enemies, how could I learn to love even my enemies if no one ever hurt me? Hmm. And we don't like to think about our spouse as an enemy. But because we're so close, because we're so vulnerable, because we're so imperfect... And because relationships are messy, yes, sometimes we rub up against each other the wrong way. Sometimes we step on each other's toes. Sometimes we just plain hurt one another and hurt sometimes in major ways. But even there, that's an opportunity for me to stretch to become more Christ-like. Because that's what my vocation is all about, is, is, is coming closer to Christ. And Lord, teach me. And give me the grace that I may love even my enemy, that I may love my spouse even when my spouse has hurt me. Hmm. Because forgiveness is essential. It shouldn't be a secret either, Patrick. Yeah. But I remember Hallmark used to have these cards. You know, love means never having to say you're sorry. Hmm. I want to file a class action lawsuit against Hallmark on that one. <laughs> right? I think Folks, you're right about that. Yeah. Don't yeah. try this. You know, try never saying you're sorry to your spouse. That's not going to go well, hmm. right? But love means running to say I'm sorry when I'm conscious of having hurt the person I love, right? So, so forgiveness, for seeking forgiveness and granting forgiveness have to be part of any relationship between imperfect people. Right. And it's that self-gift, that stretching, that generosity of love, to love even when the other isn't as loving. That's, that's how even my spouse's faults become a blessing to me, because they help me become more Christ-like. Hmm. 
And that's what it's all about, being conformed to the likeness of Christ. We're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson, from Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, about the secrets of a good marriage that we are working hard to make not secret anymore. If you have uh, some tips on keeping a healthy marriage strong or even on making a, a weaker marriage stronger, please give us a call. Join the conversation. Share your own secrets with us, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond. That's Nick Sentovich, our producer, providing that great bump music right there. Thanks for that, Nick. And Thomas Engesser is taking your phone calls today. We're speaking about secrets of a good marriage, doing our best to make these no longer secrets so that we can all know them and do them. And our spiritual director today is Father Joseph Johnson, pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Jenna, who's calling in from Aurora, Colorado. Jenna, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So I have a question for you. Um, I'm married to an incredibly wonderful man, and we've been married for 26 years. We have six beautiful children. And for the last, you know, all these years, our lives have been so focused around just getting it all together, you know providing for the children, trying to do our best to serve God through everything. And I love the idea of date nights. And now that we have just a little bit more time, um, it's a good idea. But honestly, what do we do during those times? Sit there and just look at each other? We don't have a lot of money. I mean, we could go to the park, but honestly, we run out of things to talk about besides this or that that needs to be done or this or that about our children. Do you have suggestions? Thank you. Thank you. That's a great question. You know, uh, first off, date night shouldn't have to cost anything. You know, sometimes it is just taking a walk around the block. Or if you have really little ones, it's putting them to bed and and sneaking off to the other side of the house and lighting a candle and putting a little Andrea Bocelli on and pretending over your your Chef Boyardee, you know, noodles that that you're in a fancy Italian restaurant. You know, uh, you can you can just do simple things. But the, the goal of it is just to be with one another. You know, and and something like that, you know, you've you've maybe seen an image like of an older couple sitting on a porch swing, just hand in hand, uh, and it's a picture of of contentment. They're not saying anything, they're not doing anything, but they're deeply united in love with one another. And so the mechanics of that are going to vary according to the interests of different people, right? Uh, some couples are. Uh, like to exercise, let's let's go play tennis together, or let's you know go for a jog or something like that. Others, it's going to be just a, a, a walk around the block, or uh, you know things like that. But to delight in one another, or think about this: say, have your kids ever come back from spending time with a friend, uh, and and you said, you know, did you have a good time? Oh yeah, it's great. And then you say, what'd you do? Oh nothing. And you go, well, wait, wait a minute, you said you had a great time, what, but you can't say what you did. No, because the what you did was so secondary. Just being together was a delight, right? So, so if you can keep that there, and, and again, it's not, don't, don't go through, okay, what do we need to do for the kids, this, that, and other. That's good communications that we need to do for parenting, you know, and all that. But it's just really, what did you do when you dated? You know, you, you delighted in one another. And so to discover and to affirm the goodness of the other person. 
I don't know, Patrick, you, you, you might have some better practical advice on this one than me. <laughs> well, um, I loved what you were saying, Father, and I would agree that I think it's different for different people. But yeah, I, I would absolutely agree that there are times when it's just nice to be with one another. And uh, for us, it's not always necessarily about finding something uh, particularly deep or engaging to talk about. It is from time to time, but um, in my own experience, if it's if it's uh, just uh, working around, we were we were busy kind of prepping some little trees in our in our yard the other day. Uh, that was just a way that we spent time with one another. And you know, things will come up to talk about. Hey, did you see the the family of rabbits that seem to have moved into the neighborhood or something like that? But uh, yeah, yeah um, but being with one another, I think that that's helpful in developing that intimacy. What about you, Jenna? Let's ask you uh, any particular things that you have found to do, even when you've run out of things to talk about. Well, I we sometimes we'll take a walk or working in the yard together, side by side, like you mm-hmm. said. That's a good one for us. But a lot of times, these the moments that we have available are just in the evening. You know, give someone a back rub while they're finishing up a little bit of work. But I guess maybe the key is to not be finishing up the work, but just completely focus on each other or being together. Mm. Those are good thoughts. And I, I, uh, both and I'd say, you know, like, like, like even prayer, there's prayer on the run, you know, when, when I'm in right. the middle of doing things, I can pray, but then there's also stopping everything else to take time just to be with the Lord. So the same thing with your spouse, to give your spouse, you know, a neck rub while, while he's finishing something or whatever, that's great. Those little caresses, those little moments of affection, that's great. But then also to set aside a dedicated time, you know, just for that. And it doesn't have to be staring at one another and all this, but, but just kind of discovering within your heart the joy that's there because this other person is in your life, you know, and to thank God for this other person that's, that's there. All right, very well, good. I appreciate your ideas. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, Jenna. Jenna. God bless you. Yeah, thanks for calling in. It's always a pleasure to hear from others. And and uh, somebody with such a such a good long uh, good long healthy marriage, just like Jill, and saying that there's I'm sure there's been struggles along the way, but knowing that uh, knowing that marriages can last is even in and of itself, sadly, I guess in some ways, but is a great testimony to the ongoing power of God in our society today. Let's go from uh, Jenna down to Jane, calling in from Maine. Jane, welcome to the Inner Life. Hello, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to make a comment. Um, I realized I've been married 28 years, and around the 18-year mark, I realized that I had to forgive my husband every day because I had to, if there was something I didn't like, it was probably about me. It wasn't really about him, so I had to just forgive him for anything that was making, like, I had to know it wasn't really him, it was in me. And then it took about another five or six years before I realized that he had to forgive me because I was doing things to him that would could make him unhappy. But I'm just saying it took a long time to figure it out, and then even longer to figure out it, it was partly my fault as well. Yes, yes, and that's a beautiful insight that you've had. You know that that we we do have to learn to have that patience and forgiveness uh, with with one another, and uh, that that the other person, you know, is there, imperfect as they are, but their goal is not to 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 satisfy me, uh, but that the two of us can grow together. We both have room for improvement, 
And again, not that we want to make the other person my home improvement project, but together we can share this growth. And that's where, you know, prayer together becomes so important. You know, Lord, what do you want of us? How do you want us to grow? And and reading the scriptures, the more we see the life of Jesus, the more we can see the virtues of Jesus, the more we see how I'm supposed to be living. And and I'm, I'm being Christ-like towards my spouse. And of course, the most Christ-like thing is to forgive, to love, you know, even when the other hasn't loved. Uh, and and that's that's where, again, this spiritual richness translates into a richness on the natural level in the marriage as well. So, again, as we grow in in our spiritual life, we bring that richness into our married life. Uh, and so that's why it's essential uh, to pray together. It's essential uh, to to not just, quote-unquote, say our prayers with the kids, but to have real meaningful time of prayer with one another and time alone with the Lord, too, because sometimes that time alone with the Lord shows me what it, where where. I need to, to grow to, to deal with my spouse's imperfections, or sometimes the Lord identifies my imperfections and asks me to step up to the plate and start growing more. Uh, so time together with the Lord, time alone with the Lord, and then time with the whole family with the Lord uh, to, to try and weave that into some, some sort of mix uh, throughout the week. Thank you for the call, Jane. That's a, it's a great example, too, of offering forgiveness to, to one's spouse and, and something that is uh, a regular practice of that and no doubt would contribute greatly to uh, a good marriage, a strong marriage, a healthy marriage. Well, Father, we're getting close to the end. I did see, I think we lost him, but we had uh, Jesse calling in and he was asking if there's a website or a book uh, or anything that you would recommend in terms of resources for continuing to develop a strong and good marriage. Well, you know, Fulton Sheen's uh, Three to Get Married is a classic, uh, so so that's great. But there are also a lot of more contemporary books that have been written recently that are very beautiful as well. Uh, so this, you know, we can talk about how challenging the times are for us to live a good Christian life, but we actually have so many resources right now. Uh, we've never had re- this many resources to help us. There are also things like on formed.org, if your parish has... Uh, subscription to that, or if you have an individual subscription to that, there are resources there about the sacrament of marriage and things like that. But again, there's there's a theological richness, and then there's those basic human building blocks about communications and things like that, that uh, all of that together is is the recipe, uh, hopefully not secret recipe anymore, but the That's recipe right. for, <laughs> for a good marriage. And the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Amen. Spirit to show you. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead, because everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. Uh, and so... Allow the Holy Spirit to be with you, to guide the course, and to, to show you how to respond to, to the things that, as they unfold. Well, on that very note, Father, we would be blessed if you would give us your blessing, please. Certainly. Through the intercession of our Immaculate Mother Mary and good St. Joseph, as they model a holy family for us with Jesus in the center, may Almighty God bless you and all our listeners and all of our listeners' families in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Father Joseph Johnson from Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Always great to be on with you, Father. Thank you for that. And uh, we are now looking at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass coming up. So uh, take some time, engage in the Mass, receive some spiritual communion with Father Matt's seminar. Tomorrow, Father Blood joins me as we are uh, again on for another great episode of The Inner Life. Please uh, tune in tomorrow. It's been great to be with you today. Thank you. God bless you. And we will see you tomorrow.